0: Welcome to SNC's podcast series, SNC Critical Insights. I'm Katie MacArthur, a partner in Sullivan and Cromwell's litigation group in our New York and Washington, D.C. office. With me today is Tony Lewis, also a partner in our litigation group based in Los Angeles. There's been a lot of focus recently on sanctions and discussion about U.S. sanctions. Today, we're going to be discussing some of the recent guidance from OFAC for the virtual currency industry regarding sanctions compliance. We'll start off by discussing OFAC's guidance generally, as well as OFAC's jurisdictional reach in what is inherently a virtual industry, and a little bit on why the guidance matters. We'll also give a general overview of the guidance for virtual currency and sanctions compliance programs in terms of what OFAC is expecting market participants in this industry to develop. We'll also take a look at what FinCEN and some other government actors have said recently about concerns regarding the virtual currency industry and issues to be spotted in terms of how virtual currencies potentially could be used to evade Russian sanctions and some of the steps that folks are taking to address that. Tony, can you give us a little background on OFAC?
1: Sure. The Office of Foreign Assets Control, or OFAC, is part of the U.S. Treasury Department and administers and enforces economic and trade sanctions in order to further U.S. foreign policy and national security interests. It does so through over 35 different sanctions programs, which may require blocking assets or other restrictions on dealings with a specific person or a country, a region, or a particular government. For example, OFAC currently prohibits essentially all dealings with Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Syria and the Crimea region of Ukraine. It also publishes lists of specific designated individuals and entities with which transactions are prohibited or whose property in the U.S. or in the possession of a U.S. person must be blocked. Like many other U.S. enforcement agencies. OFAC has its eyes on virtual currencies. In particular, OFAC is focused on the increasing role that they play in the global economy and their ability to be used by sanctioned persons to evade OFAC sanctions. Katie, can you start us off with some of the key points in OFAC's guidance?
0: Sure. So generally speaking... To the extent they're applicable to a company or a transaction, the OFAC compliance obligations apply irrespective of whether the transaction is denominated in traditional fiat currency or digital currency. As you noted, Tony, OFAC administers sanctions programs by prohibiting U.S. persons from engaging in certain activities and dealings with specified countries, specified entities, and individuals. Violations of the sanctions regimes administered by OFAC can subject U.S. persons to civil or criminal penalties. The OFAC has authority to impose civil penalties, and the DOJ has the authority and is responsible for any criminal penalties. Those are known as the primary economic sanctions enforcement programs. OFAC also administers what are called secondary economic sanctions, These are programs aimed at non-U.S. persons generally for dealing with sanctioned persons, entities, or governments, even where the conduct occurs entirely outside of the United States. These secondary sanctions can result in the exclusion of a company from the U.S. financial system or even a company being designated or sanctioned itself by U.S. authorities, both of which can impair the company's ability to do business internationally. And so that's one way that OFAC uh, can extend its authority and extend its reach beyond U.S. companies. With respect to primary sanctions, these generally apply to all U.S. persons, which means all U.S. citizens and permanent residents, no matter where they are physically located. It covers all entities that are organized under U.S. law and individuals and entities who are physically present in the United States. OFAC also has jurisdiction over any property that comes within the United States. Aside from OFAC's secondary sanctions, OFAC has reached foreign companies in other ways. For example, the sanctions programs administered by OFAC with respect to Cuba, Iran, and North Korea extend to certain foreign entities that may be owned or controlled by U.S. persons or U.S. financial institutions. OFAC defines property to include, among other things, virtual currency. Tony, what does that mean for folks who are involved with the virtual currency industry?
1: Yeah, so all U.S. persons engaging in virtual currency transactions should be aware of OFAC sanctions because they are subject to OFAC's jurisdiction, as should anyone engaging in virtual currency activities in the United States or that involve U.S. individuals or entities. But even cryptocurrency exchanges that are not located in the United States need to be tuned to OFAC's rules. For example, foreign companies can be subject to certain U.S. sanctions programs, depending on whether the company is owned by a U.S. person. And even when an exchange of customers are not themselves sanctioned, companies need to be aware of OFAC's 50% rule. That means entities that are at least 50% owned by a sanctioned entity should be treated as a sanctioned entity themselves. Moreover, to understand their OFAC risk foreign companies should be aware of the downstream effects of their transactions and the route that a transaction may take. Banking context, for example, OFAC has imposed penalties against non-U.S. entities with no U.S. ownership for causing violations of OFAC sanctions by instructing U.S. correspondent banks to initiate Iran-related payments through the U.S. financial system on their behalf. So now that we've touched on why OFAC matters in this space, Katie, could you take us through what it is that OFAC expects to see in terms of compliance? Definitely.
0: I think the overarching theme that OFAC broadcasts in its guidance is that its sanctions authority applies to virtual currency in just the same way that those authorities apply to other types of currencies, assets or properties. And that is to say U.S. persons are responsible for ensuring that they don't engage in unauthorized transactions or dealings, and that OFAC expects companies to take a risk-based approach when developing a sanctions compliance program. Now, of course, there are nuances to virtual currencies that do create distinct issues, and we'll touch on some of those as we go on today. And the virtual currency guidance that OFAC put out at the end of last year OFAC walked through its pre-existing framework for OFAC compliance commitments, and that framework includes five key components. Management risk, risk assessment, internal controls, testing auditing, and training. OFAC guidance emphasizes that, just like other U.S. persons required to adhere to OFAC regulations, companies that are involved in the virtual currency space, whether it be Crypto exchanges, technology companies, miners, virtual wallet providers, or any other company that's exposed to virtual currencies should develop, implement, and monitor, and also take steps to update when appropriate, a risk-based compliance program that is based on the OFAC framework, again, with those five key components. As we've discussed, these are really the nuts and bolts of all compliance programs that OFAC expects to see for all U.S. persons, no matter the industry. The virtual currency guidance that OFAC put out does though specifically touch on the fact that companies in the virtual currency industry are going to need to tailor their programs based on the types of products and services that are offered, based on the nature of their client base, based on the specifics of their supply chain, their counterparties, the overall size of their business, and the relative sophistication of all of those things. OFAC historically has consistently noted that there is not a one-size-fits-all compliance program and that an effective compliance program will depend on various factors relating to the company and its industry. And in that sense, the guidance for virtual currencies is really just a variation on the same theme. Tony, you want to discuss one of the particular technical issues that arises under the OFAC compliance
1: guidance in connection with
0: virtual currencies.
1: Of course. So one of the key components of a sanctions compliance program is ensuring that the compliance has effective internal controls, which includes controls to identify and interdict transactions or activities that are prohibited by OFAC administered sanctions, and effective protocols to properly report and respond to those issues. This would include things like due diligence for red flags on customers or business partners in completing transactions, and then undertaking proper remedial measures. One unique issue here uh, that OFAC discussed was incorporating internal controls to detect when users are using a virtual private network or VPN. OFAC's guidance noted that a strong compliance program will feature geolocation tools that enable virtual currency companies to detect and prevent users from using IP addresses coming from sanctioned jurisdictions. Otherwise, persons in sanctioned jurisdictions would be able to access platforms or services in violation of OFAC sanctions and regulations. Tech-savvy persons in sanctioned jurisdictions, however, may attempt to get around these barriers by simply masking their IP address, including by using a VPN. OFAC is aware of this issue and notes in its guidance that companies in the virtual currency industry should take advantage of analytical tools as part of their compliance program to detect IP misattribution. One way it can do that is by using programs or analytics to identify what it refers to as improbable logins. So OFAC cites a particular user logging in from an IP address in one country and then very shortly afterwards logging in using an IP address in a totally different country. Given that much of the transactions involving virtual currency occur online, This signals OFAC's expectation that companies should evaluate their risk profile and the propriety of various technical solutions to evaluate their customer's behavior. Given OFAC's overarching message that compliance programs need to be tailored to the company and its risk profile, as persons and companies intent on dodging US sanctions resort to more technically sophisticated measures, OFAC will expect companies to keep pace, and to use the tools at their disposal to assess and address those risks. Among the persons and companies that may be intent on dodging U.S. sanctions are Russia and certain Russian entities and individuals that have been sanctioned in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. These sanctions have brought virtual currency to the forefront of regulators' minds because it could be used as a vehicle to facilitate sanctions evasion. Katie, what are other regulators besides OFAC saying about this?
0: This is definitely a subject that has been at the front of regulators' minds, as you say, Tony. In light of the recent Russian sanctions in particular, FinCEN released an alert advising financial institutions the need to be on heightened alert for potential sanctions evasion by Russian actors and emphasized that virtual currencies are a key tool that Russian actors may use to circumvent those sanctions. The FinCEN alert noted for market participants some specific red flags that might indicate a Russian actor was seeking to use virtual currency to evade sanctions. And so we'll run through some of those red flags. First, the FinCEN alert highlighted that FinCEN considers it a red flag if a customer's transactions are initiated from or sent to an IP address based in Russia. Sinson noted that it's a red flag, even while observing that an unsanctioned Russian person may conduct a transaction on behalf of a sanctioned Russian person. Sinson also noted that IP addresses from sources that aren't trusted, or from Belarus, FATF identified jurisdictions with anti-money laundering deficiencies, other comprehensively sanctioned jurisdictions, or IP addresses previously flagged as suspicious all should be treated as red flags. Second, since incited the virtual currency addresses that are listed on OFAC's specially designated nationals and blocked persons lists, they noted that companies should be particularly vigilant as to any transactions involving any of those virtual currency addresses from the SDN or blocked persons list. Other red flags that FinCEN highlighted in its alert included, for example, a customer using a virtual currency exchanger in a high-risk jurisdiction with anti-money laundering deficiencies, including with inadequate know-your-customer or customer due diligence measures. They also referenced a scenario of a customer receiving virtual currency from an external wallet and immediately making multiple rapid trades with other virtual currencies for no apparent commercial reason. That might suggest that the customer was attempting to break the chain of custody on the respective blockchains or further obfuscate the transaction, according to the FinCEN guidance. Finally, they noted the scenario of a customer initiating a transfer of funds involving a virtual currency mixing service as a potential red flag. FinCEN reiterated the obligation of financial institutions to file suspicious activity reports or SARs in connection with suspicious transactions. And the Treasury Department recently released a report that expressly noted that virtual asset service providers often have to register with one or more federal regulatory agencies. And as a result of that required registration, must follow the same Bank Secrecy Act rules as banks and other financial institutions, including the filing of Suspicious Activity Reports or SARS. In the wake of the Russian sanctions, we've seen a large government response to the issues that are posed by virtual currencies and some of the potential risks in connection with those. Tony, do you want to highlight for our audience what some of those are?
1: Yeah, so FinCEN is also not the only government actor concerned about the use of virtual currencies to evade sanctions. DOJ announced the creation of an interagency task force known as the Task Force Kleptocapture, which will be tasked with Among other things, investigating and prosecuting efforts to use virtual currency to evade U.S. sanctions or to launder proceeds of foreign corruption or evade U.S. responses to Russian military aggression. The New York Department of Financial Services announced that it would take additional actions to enforce sanctions, including the expedited procurement of blockchain analytics technology to strengthen its ability to identify connections between DFS licensed virtual currency businesses and Russian individuals, banks, and others sanctioned by the United States. And the FBI is forming a specialized unit dedicated to cryptocurrency known as the virtual asset exploitation unit, which will work with the national cryptocurrency enforcement team that was announced last fall. The takeaway here is that government actors are focused on the virtual currency industry now especially in light of the need for strong enforcement of the sanctions levied against Russia. Financial institutions and others operating in the virtual currency industry need to be careful in implementing and, when appropriate, reviewing their compliance programs designed to detect suspicious activity that may be linked to sanctions evasion, particularly given the enforcement environment signaled by these regulatory agencies.
0: Absolutely, Tony. As you say, OFAC and other regulatory agencies really are particularly focused on virtual currencies in the current environment, in particular as a result of the recent sanctions measures and the view that virtual currencies could potentially provide a means of evading those sanctions. There's also focus on OFAC's jurisdiction and the ways that may reach non-U.S. companies in various manners. OFAC, for its part, Expects virtual currency companies to establish strong risk-based compliance programs consistent with the key components that it has outlined for all companies that are subject to its jurisdictions, but with a view to tailoring those programs to take into account features of the relevant industry as well as particular issues such as the use of VPNs potentially to mask a user's location. With the sweeping sanctions that have been imposed on Russia in recent weeks, the role of virtual currencies is more in spotlight now than ever, as you say, and OFAC and other government agencies are applying fresh scrutiny and new resources to examine the use of virtual currencies, and we can expect that to continue for some time to come. Thank you to our audience for listening to SNC Critical Insights. You can access other helpful resources and insights and find out more about our practice on our website ww.sulcrom